Hey everyone, it's so good to have you here with us today at Revived at Your Place. We started a new series today called I Never Said That. And really what we're doing is we're looking at a few things that Jesus never said. Because sometimes to understand the power of what he did say requires us to look at what he didn't say. And I'm just really excited that in this series we're going to look at some things that maybe we've heard before or maybe has just been assumed uh, in the Christian world about what Jesus did say, but he actually never said that. Today we're going to look at that we should do whatever makes us happy. That That's maybe something that people think that God wants us to do what makes us happy. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to be happy, but I'm just saying that God actually never said that. God did say a lot about happiness, but he never said do whatever makes you feel happy. And so we just got to look today at what Jesus says about happiness, or in fact, look today at what he didn't say to understand the power of what he did say. And it starts in John chapter 8, the story that we're going to look at. And I believe that when we look at this story and we see the power of what he didn't say, we will understand that the power of what he did say can transform and change our lives. And in John 8, verse 2 to 6, it says this, At dawn he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So here's Jesus about to teach in the temple courts, and the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, who were trying to catch him out, brought in a woman caught in adultery. There's a couple of questions I have here, which we can't get into today. One is, where's the guy? It takes two to tango, yeah? And two, how did they catch them in the act of adultery? What were they doing? Were they peeping through the window? Like, what were these religious guys doing that they caught this woman who's probably barely dressed, if not got any clothes on at all, and has now been thrown before Jesus in front of all these people in what has to be one of the most embarrassing and shameful moments in her life? It goes on and it says, uh, in the rest of John 8, 2 to 6, it says, They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So really, they haven't brought this woman because they're concerned about her behavior. They brought him before Jesus because they want to basically trip him up so that they can then accuse him of something. And so Jesus right now is in a lose-lose situation. He's in a no-win situation. The law of Moses actually does say that this woman should be stoned to death. But we know that Jesus comes from a very different perspective. And if Jesus turns around and says, yep, we should stone her to death because that's what the law of Moses says, then Jesus' reputation of being full of love and grace and mercy goes out the window. But on the other hand, if he turns around and he says, actually, you know, like, let's give this girl a break. It's not that big a deal then he's really saying that the law of Moses doesn't really mean anything. And then he is basically, in their eyes, saying that adultery is okay. So Jesus is in this lose-lose, non-win situation. And so what is he going to do? Well, it goes on and it says this in 
the second part of verse 6, it says, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, the question that we have, and has always been since this part of the Bible was written, is what did Jesus write on the ground? Well, the reality is we don't know. We really don't know. There are manuscripts that say that he wrote down the sins of those that were standing there accusing her, but we actually don't really know. But let's, let's assume that he did do that. It goes on and it says that when they kept on questioning him in verse 7, Jesus, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So he says, whoever is without sin, you can throw stones at her. Everybody else, you can't throw stones at her. The crazy thing about the Greek interpretation of whoever is without sin is that it's literally meaning not just those who are without sin, but those who never ever wanted to sin. Jesus is basically saying here, if you want to judge this woman, it's not just the reality that you haven't sinned, but you should have never ever wanted to sin. It's a high standard that Jesus is calling them to. I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times where I haven't sinned, but I've wanted to. I've had moments where I've wanted to, but I haven't. I've made the right choice, but there's certainly been a massive temptation to do it. And so whoever is not only without sin, but whoever has neither even thought about sinning can pick up a rock and throw it at this woman who is in this incredible situation where she is ashamed and brought before people. Jesus goes on to say in verse 8 that again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman standing there, Jesus straightened up again and asked her woman, where are they? No one has condemned you. She said, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, what Jesus didn't say was, go now and follow your heart and do whatever makes you happy. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you don't hurt anybody. Go now, you do you, girl. Go for it. Do whatever makes you happy. Jesus actually didn't say this. He asked her, where, where, are, where are these guys that accused you? Where are they? Where are those that condemn you? She says, well, they're not here anymore. And he's like, well, I don't condemn you either. I'm, I'm not going to judge you either. Go now and live your leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is not a judgmental statement by God. In fact, I believe that this is a, a beautiful, loving, gracious statement by Jesus because he's, he's saying, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. It's not condemning her. It's not judging her. It's full of love. And you can feel the urgency in God's voice, in Jesus' voice. Go now. Don't wait. Don't stay here. You're free. You're free from this now. Go now. Go now. Don't wait. Go live a better life. Go now. Don't live in the shame anymore. Don't live for the things of this world anymore. You don't have to be afraid to live in darkness anymore. I've set you free. Now go now and be free from a life of sin. What a beautiful statement that Jesus says. It's full of love. It's full of grace. 
You don't have to be held hostage anymore, he's saying to her. You're free to go and walk in this truth. So if Jesus is all about the go now, be free, live your life, don't be burdened anymore to your past decisions or mistakes that you've made, why is it then that so many of us, including myself, give in to temptation so often? Well, the reason why we give into it so often, and temptation, friend, is not a sin, it's when we give into it that it becomes a problem, but the reason why we give into sin so often is because it looks fun. In fact, in Hebrews, it says that the pleasure of sin is for a season. It doesn't say that sin is awful. It doesn't say that sin is not enjoyable. It just says that it's for a season. It's for a season. And when the season of enjoyment is over, sin actually damages you. It looks like fun. That's why we do it. And if it's not fun, then you're not doing it right. Because... It will be fun for a little while, but then it will mess you up. I want you to understand the statement this morning I'm about to say, and I want you to memorize it because sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God and eventual harm to yourself. Sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience of God and eventually harm to yourself. You see, with this woman, we actually don't know what sort of woman she was. We have no idea. We don't know whether she was a great lady or a bad lady. We don't know whether she was a, a really good girl who's made some dumb decisions or she's just a right-out brat. We don't know that. But I would suggest to you that she's probably like a lot of us, including myself, that she has got where she has by making one wrong decision, bad choice after the other seemingly insignificant, seemingly innocent choice, one after the other, and all those choices has led her to a place where now she is barely dressed in the most public shame moment of her life. You see, sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God and eventually harm to yourself. See, the reason why we end up in similar places from time to time is because we live in a, a culture of relativism. We live in a world that believes in relativism. And what that basically means is that, is that everything is relative. That, in other words, there's no absolute truth. Everything is relative to whatever you're going through. There's no absolute truth. What does this look like in sentences that you may have heard? Well, sentences like this, well, you, you be you and I'll be me. Or that's your truth, but this is my truth. You live your truth and I'll live my truth. Or statements like, there's no absolute truth. You're just going to get on with doing whatever makes you happy. Well, the problem with that, the fundamental problem of doing whatever makes us happy is this, is that without a belief in absolute truth, then truth is defined by what makes me happy. If we don't have a belief in an absolute truth, then it becomes defined by whatever our emotion says makes us happy. So then the problem is, is that our happiness becomes the standard by which we judge our actions. If my happiness is the standard by which I judge my actions, then there's a whole lot of things that I would do that I shouldn't do. You can't judge 
your actions by your standard of happiness. You can't turn around and say that whatever my truth is, is based on what makes me happy. You see, the root problem, I believe, especially in the Christian world or even the non-Christian world, is that the root problem of why we believe that we can't live by truth and we've got to do what makes us happy is because we think that holiness and happiness are opposite to each other. We think that if we're going to pursue a life of holiness, then that means that we're going to have a miserable life because, unfortunately, we have a distorted view of what Christ represents and teaches. We tend to think that we have to choose one or the other. You can live holy and have a miserable life, or you can live happy. But the reality is, is that God never said that he sent his son into the world so that we could be holy and live miserable lives. God never said that. He's a good, loving father. And in fact, in Matthew seven eleven, it says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, I believe this, that if we find ourselves at odds with wanting to be holy, but I don't want to be unhappy, then I believe that we're looking for happiness in the wrong place. If you think that to be holy, to live a life for God, means that you're going to be unhappy, then you're looking for happiness in the wrong place. Let me give you an illustration, that not the greatest one, but it kind of gives you an idea of what I'm talking about. If we took a fish and we put it on the beach, the fish would not be happy. It would be flopping around like crazy. The, the fish would not be happy that it's on the beach and not in the water. But then if we turned around and said, you know what, we'll make him happy. Some of the things of this world will make him happy. So what we're going to do is we'll give him a pile of cash. We're going to give him a whole lot of money, you know, a couple of million dollars. Will that make the fish happy? Well, no, it won't. Well, how about then if we decide to throw the fish a party? We get out the margaritas, we get all the good-looking fish out of the sea, you know, the hot ones. We put on some really good music, they dance the night away. Will that make the fish happy? Well, no, it's not. Well, what about then if we get the fish to take a selfie and he puts it on social media and he just gets incredible likes and all these people are going crazy, you're so hot, hashtag fish pod. You know, like, it's, everyone's going nuts about how great this fish is. Do you think that that will make the fish happy? Well, no, it's not. You see, no matter what we give the fish that we would consider that would help to make the fish happy, the fish will never, ever be happy because what we're offering the fish is not what it was created for. The fish was never created to be on the beach. The fish was created to be in the sea. And the reason why some of us are so unhappy pursuing the things of this world sometimes, and not that money and stuff like that is bad if it's God-centered, but the reason why we get so unhappy pursuing things of this world and we can't find happiness is because we're not from this world. In fact, what we need to do is we need to lower our expectation of what the world can give and lift our up expectations of what heaven can give. Lower your expectations for earth, but never lower your expectations of heaven. You are created by God, for God, for the things of God. You're not created for this world. And that's why sin promises and never delivers. 
It promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God and eventually pain to yourself. You see, holiness isn't exclusive from happiness. In fact, the two are related. Holiness is the pathway to true happiness and joy. Living for God, serving Him, living for Him, not for the lower things of this world, but for the higher things of the eternal. That is the pathway and true meaning to life and happiness. In fact, in Psalm 16, it says this, that you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Not, not fleeting pleasures of sin, not, sin for, not, not pleasure for a season but ends up in pain, but pleasures forevermore. As in other words, they never run out. You will always be happy. You will always be living in pleasure when we pursue his presence, when we go after the things that God has created us to be, when we're finally the person that God created us to be, created by God for God, Man, you will find happiness around every corner you look because he promises that in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And that is why this woman who's been caught in the most shameful moment of her life, Jesus didn't look at her and say, I'm embarrassed by you. I can't believe you're living like this after everything that I did for you on the cross. Or everything I have done for you. Is this how you're going to live? This is what you're going to do with your life? You're so pathetic. No, no, no. When she was brought before Jesus, he never said that. He actually said something way better. And he says that same thing to you and I. He said, be free. Go walk in truth now. Leave the lower things of this world and live for the higher things that really matter in life. He's saying, go now. Be free. Be set free from what you've been going through. Don't make those bad choices anymore. Make great choices. Follow the path of life that I'm leading you in and you will find joy in my presence and pleasures forevermore. So what do you do when you keep doing wrong when you know you should be doing right? What do you do when you feel trapped? It looked good. It promised something but it didn't deliver and now you can't find your way out. What do you do when you can't find your way out of a sticky situation? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us what God will do for us. It says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. When you're tempted, when you're trapped, when you're stuck, when you feel like you're in a prison and there is no way out, God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's always grace, friend. There's always grace. There's always potential for freedom when Jesus is around. He always gives you a way out. It's a go now moment for all of us. Go now. Live your life free from sin. Go now. Don't let those things trap you. Too often we fear temptation. We fear the stuff that comes along our way. 
But I want you to understand something today that temptation is just an opportunity to depend on God. Temptation is just an opportunity to depend on God. When temptation comes, it's not something to be feared. It's an opportunity for me to lean on God, lean on his grace, lean on his mercy. It's an opportunity for me to have a go now moment. Go and live free from this. Go and live free from this burden. Don't get stuck. Don't get trapped. He, he's such a good God to us. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on God. And every time you feel trapped, it's an invitation to depend on his grace and his mercy and his love and the freedom that he brings. He gives you a way out. He doesn't look at you and say, man, I am so disappointed. I'm so embarrassed. I just can't believe that you've done this. I can't believe that you are. I'm so ashamed of you. No, no, no. God doesn't say that to us. God says, hey, go now. Be free. Let my grace set you free. You know, the word repent means this. It means to turn to that which is higher. To turn to that which is higher. It's to turn from the lower things of this world which we think make us happy. To turn to the higher things which give us pleasures forevermore. When we give our lives to God by repenting of our sin and receiving Christ as our saviour. Things happen. Our spirit is reborn. Our mind is renewed. Our life is rebuilt. You're reconciled by the grace of Jesus Christ. And you reap the rewards of that relationship, causing revival to break out in your life, where you are set free. You are in a go now moment. You are now walking in truth and freedom instead of being bound by what you think makes you happy. You actually find true happiness in his holiness. When you feel trapped and when you feel caught and when you feel broken and shame, what does Jesus not say? He does not say, go and do whatever makes you happy. No, no, no. He says, I've got a better plan for you. i got a better path for you. i got a better way forward for you. And that's just what I love about what Jesus said to this woman. I'm not going to let anybody throw stones at you. And some of us today, we've got people that are throwing stones at us our whole entire lives. People that make throw stones at us because of what we've done. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No, we're not here to throw stones because you've made some bad decisions. I'm here to give you a way out. I'm here to give you a go now, live in truth, be free kind of moment. Because holiness and happiness are not opposites. They are actually connected. And you were created to walk in truth. And that's when you really find the lasting joy and happiness that you're looking for. The pleasures forevermore are found and walking in the way that he has for you. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you as we go through the rest of this time before we can meet together again. Let's have go now moments as part of our lives. Let's when every temptation comes our way, let's not fear it. Let's not be worried about it, but let's just go, hey man, this is an opportunity to depend on Christ, his grace and his mercy and his love. God will not give you anything that you cannot bear. God will not allow. He actually doesn't give it. He will not allow anything that you cannot bear. And he'll always provide a way out for you. Why? Because when we choose the right path, it leads to joy and pleasures forevermore. God wants you to live a happy life. But we don't live a happy life by doing whatever we think makes us happy. 
we live a happy life by following his truth and being set free from some of the things that would try to trap us. Let me pray for you today as we come to an end that if you're feeling trapped, if you're feeling like things have got a grip on you, maybe you've had people throwing stones at you your whole life and you're like, like man, I, I, I want God to step in. I want, I want to have a go now moment with him. Well, I want to pray for you today that God would show you the way out, that you would see the go now moment, that you would have the opportunity to walk in the truth and walk in the freedom that he has provided for you. Why don't you right now, if you, you're wanting prayer for anything in any way, but you especially want to be set free from some of the stuff that has bound you up. You've been trying to live a happy life based on what the world says, but now you're like, man, I want to live the life that makes me happy and gives me pleasures forevermore. I want to follow his truth. Then why don't you put your hand on your heart right now. Let's close our eyes. And I'm going to pray for you that God would come. And just like the woman that was caught in adultery, you would be set free from your accusers and the condemnation that has followed you in your life. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are the God of all grace and your grace is sufficient. It's all we need. And so, God, I pray right now for those, Lord, that are struggling to make some really good decisions or maybe they're trapped. Maybe they feel stuck. Maybe they feel like, man, this is my lot in life. I've made some bad choices and I'm getting what I deserve, which is another false thing that Jesus never said. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you don't give us what we think we deserve, but you give us what you say we deserve, which is your forgiveness, which is your um, love and your grace and your mercy towards us. And so, Father, I pray right now that you'd set people free in this moment, that they'd have a go now moment, and they too will walk in the freedom and in the truth that you have. And in doing that, God, and following your truth and not our feelings, Lord, that we would live a happy, joyful, pleasures forevermore kind of life. Thank you, Father, for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, tune in next week. We hope you have a really cool week this week. But tune in next week as we have a look at what Jesus never said about that you'll never have a bad day. We all have days that aren't good, but Jesus said some really cool stuff in and around that. And so tune in next week so you can find out what he didn't say and the power of that to change your life. We love you. If you need anything, please reach out to us. We want to be able to help you in any way, shape or form. But you guys are awesome and we'll see you all next week. God bless.